And we're back with Encounter with God here on The Breakfast Show where we get into our 20 million movement Bible study, 20 million people all studying the same passages of the Bible at the same time. Let's go to the book of Acts. All right, so while we're turning to the book of Acts, we need to stop and ask ourselves the question, why is the book of Acts called the book of Acts? Minnie, why is the book of Acts called the book of Acts? Well, I always thought it was the work of the Holy Spirit, Acts of the Holy Spirit. In the early that, that would be absolutely correct. You would, be, if, you, <laughs> if that's what you thought, then you would be thinking correct. Brilliant. Uh, do you have a title for it at the beginning of, or does it say? So Acts? mine actually says the Acts of the Apostles, and I remember seeing this when I was younger, and I was like, "What? Yeah, what are you talking about?" Yeah, no. It's like it's like the, uh, the 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 old Bibles that when you go to the Book of Revelation, they call it the Revelation of Saint John the Divine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like no, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, okay. no. There's only one divine person. I'm pretty sure I need one divine human being. That was Jesus Christ to begin with, and this is not John revealing anything. This is not the revelation of John. This is the revealing, well, not John being revealed, I should say. This is the revealing of Jesus Christ. That's right. The revelation. What does yours say for revelation? I'm curious. Oh, okay. Oh. You've got a well-used Bible there. Oh, I can't get a new one because it's got all my personal little, like, annotation. Oh, this one says revelation of Jesus Christ. But, yeah, I probably Ah, okay. That's cool. Okay. So it got Acts wrong, but it got revelation right. Yeah. 50-50. Uh, we're getting there. Yeah. We've, we've made progress <laughs> since 1611. <You> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 400 years later. Um, all right. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42, please. Many Says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they, con- they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Okay, this is the result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Just a few verses previous to this, you know, at the beginning of the chapter, you know, they were all of one accord in one place at one time, all united together, the Holy Spirit falls. And as a result of the Holy Spirit falling, they go out and they preach Jesus Christ. Mm. And 3,000 people are baptized that day. It's pretty solid. That's a very, very solid movement right there. That's a good start to Christianity. I think that, you know, there's a whole bunch of significant things that come out of this. Uh, one is that this is taking place in the city and a matter of days after Jesus was crucified in that city. Very, very clearly, you know, Jesus was resurrected. Jesus was not there. Jesus Jesus' body could not be exhumed or any such thing because if it could have been, this movement would never, ever, ever have taken place. That's right. So this is taking place within days of the crucifixion of Jesus, not like 40, 50 days, something like 50, yeah, 50 days. It's 50 mm. days later, yeah. Cause Pentecost. Pentecost, the uh, 50 days from Passover to Pentecost. Uh, so just 50 days later, that's not a long time span, but also you've got a significant number of people who are being baptized and it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. One, you know, one of the things that we were talking about yesterday, Minnie, is you know, when, you, when you're a Bible worker, how much you feel like an observer. Mm-hmm. You know, you're an observer of, you, you always feel like, yes, I want to be involved in somebody's conversion. And you're studying the Bible with them and suddenly they get converted and it's like, I really wanted to have something to do with this. <laughs> yeah. And, well, it's, just, and that was one thing I remember um, the lady who got baptized, who I'd been doing Bible studies with, you know, and I remember when she made the decision to get baptized, I was like, 
in little like cheeky tears where you like try not to let people see because I was like, yes, praise the Lord. What the heck? (laughs) Like what in the world? I was part of this, but not part of this, you know, like we're saying the observer aspect of it. I was just like, oh man, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, let's go over to Acts 4 verse 4 and yeah, 4 verse 4. Acts 4 verse 4. So, however, many of these who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Okay, so there's a little bit of a different situation here. They couldn't count everybody because obviously the crowd was too big of people that, you know, were baptized on this particular day. And so, you know, being the culture of the day, they just counted men. Mm. So how many do you reckon there were? Oh, man, a lot. (laughs) A lot more than that if that's just men. Indeed. Um, and, yeah, you can imagine there would have been at least 15,000. Mm. Oh, do you reckon? Well, you, you'd have the equivalent number of women, right? Mm. And then there's going to be at least one child for every two adults. Surely there's going to be one child for every two adults. It's a big That's at least 15,000. Hey. That's a big baptism. Now you start to understand why they like, yeah, we can't count how many there are here, so we'll just, we'll just count men. Uh, I tend to think more like 20,000, 25,000 because, you know, you understand children, how, how open children are yes. to the gospel message. This would have been amazing, you know. I just wish that, uh, you know, our good friend Darren Pratt was there for that. He, he loved, he's done his whole, whole life in children's ministry, regularly comes on here as a part of uh, Faith FM Radio, and imagine seeing the thousands of children mm giving their life to Jesus Christ and being baptized on this particular day, it would have just been spectacular. And it kind of want, you kind of wonder how long did it take them to baptize that many people? There was clearly more than, more than just 12 apostles who were doing the baptizing at this particular time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's go on to verse 31. We're working through a number of different passages here where we are seeing the work of the Holy Spirit the acts of the Holy Spirit. All right, mm. verse 31. Chapter 4, hey. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, and when they had prayed, the place where they assembled were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is something that, you know, we see happening on a semi-regular occasion. Well, not a semi-regular occasion, but it happens a couple of times right at the beginning of Christianity. Mm. Because we saw it happen in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, where the the whole building was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They, there was you know, tongues of fire on each one of them, and they go out and they speak with boldness. Now they've reached a point where they are starting to face persecution. They have become a major threat to the establishment. Uh, the establishment are like you're trying to bring the blood of Jesus on our heads. Well, you know, actually, that's kind of what they did do was crucify Jesus. Yes. And uh, the establishment is like you're trying to you know, raise mob rule against us. Well, no, that wasn't what was happening. And it's not what you see happening, even though the Pharisees, uh, the Sanhedrin, I should say, may have felt that way at the time. It never results. Their fears are never realized. Mob rule does not rise against the leadership of the Jewish church or the, the, the Jewish religion at this particular time. And people who are giving their lives to Jesus, they're not calling themselves Christians. Mm. They're not forming a new religion at this point. They are just Jews who believe in Jesus Christ and are being baptized into Jesus Christ. You know, the whole Christian religion as such 
is going to really start to formulate about three and a half years after the death of Jesus Christ. And so at this particular point, they are still Jews who do their Jewish things. They just believe in Jesus Christ. Yes. Okay, let's go to chapter 5 and verse 14. 5 verse 14 says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So what's happening here? It's just continuing on. Uh huh. The numbers just keep growing. Okay, so they count all of them in mm. the first baptism. Mm-hmm. They count just the men in the second baptism. Now they've given up on the count. <laughs> they've given up, haven't they? They've given up. It's like, no, this They're is like, too There's deep. just more. There's <laughs> just lots. Mm. This is an example of the church exploding under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to toss out something right here that's controversial. Mm, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to notice that the early church has KPIs. What? What is KPI? Key performance indicators. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And there's only really one KPI that's being mentioned. Oh, man, I'm going to get so many people stirred up right now. <laughs> They're counting baptisms. Mm. A lot of criticism about that today, particularly on evangelists, because evangelists love to count baptisms. It's one of those mm. things, you know, I'm an evangelist, one of the things we do. How many, you ran an evangelistic campaign. How many baptisms were there? You know, mm. people want to know what are the KPIs. Yes. And there's a lot of people today, it's very popular today to rise up against that and say, no, this is not a KPI. This is not something that we should be doing. What do you think, Minnie? Um. <laughs> I was just like, I feel like you're more confident with just what people have to say than I am. Um, no, I concur. I think what's interesting in the Bible is that it is so connected with the Holy Spirit and prayer. Yes. It's not just isolated to that, like the event itself. Yes. Right? So when we read this, we have all the, they read, you know, there was the doctrine, there's the prayer, there's the Holy Spirit, you know, they pray, they lay on hand, Holy Spirit comes. I think it's very connected. I think it's very easy to segregate the KPI of baptism as to, okay, now the thing, the event is done and kind of neglect or forget about the prayer, the spirit, that, that do you know what I mean? Like it's, yes. it's, it's, it's so much easier to do the tick box thing, right? Uh-huh. Ah, yes, baptisms. Yes. It's like, man, we prayed for months about that. Or we did, you know, there's a lot more of that. Um, okay, so you've actually just nailed it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just nailed it. Brilliant. Because the issue here is that the KPI... When we talk about KPIs, we're looking at our success. Yes. You know, we ran a program. Mm. How much success did we get? Mm. The KPI here is the success of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so when we're not getting success, we still need to look at that. Mm, Absolutely. And when we're not getting the success that the early church was getting, we seriously seriously need to look at that. Mm. Now, the problem is when we look at that and say, well, you know, Lyle Southwell is not getting success because he's not getting enough baptisms. Or Minnie is not getting enough success because she's not getting enough baptisms. Then we apply the KPI to ourselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. Rather than applying the KPI to the Holy Spirit, and we know that the Holy Spirit can win people to God, and rather than applying it to the Holy Spirit and saying, okay, why is the Holy Spirit not working right now? Mm. What are we doing that is holding back 
the work of the Holy Spirit because KPIs are important, they are real, they are biblical, they have a biblical precedent. We should not be afraid of them. Mm. But KPIs should make us ask the hard questions. Mm. Self-analysis, hey. Exactly. Mm. Because this is not Peter's great preaching. This is not Paul's preaching. He hasn't even started yet. This is, you know, not Thomas's great preaching. <laughs> this is the work of the Holy Spirit working through, you know, fishermen and tradies and just, you know, average tax collectors, all kinds of people that are in that society not highly looked upon. Mm-hmm. You know, even when they stand up to speak, they're like, you know, they're, they're Galileans. Yeah. You know, how are they speaking such so so educated in such an educated way Mm. well it's because the holy spirit is speaking through them Mm. all right where did we get up to we just read that they stopped counting because they're like okay did we read was that chapter 5 verse 14 it sure was let's read chapter 5 and verse 42 okay 5 verse 42 and daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching jesus as the christ Oh, there's Bible workers right there, isn't it? Isn't that what isn't that what you just did for the last however many years as a Bible worker? That is what you do. Daily in each house. What are they actually doing there? They teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Teaching and preaching so Jesus, Jesus Messiah. This is the Acts model of evangelism. In fact, let's go back to Acts chapter two mm-hmm. and let's consider uh let me just look at these verses here real quick. Let me dig my Bible out, which is falling apart worse than yours at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I'm liking all that tape there on the. But they do say that a Bible who, a person who owns a Bible that is falling apart, is someone who someone who isn't. <laughs> okay, uh, why don't you read for us Acts two, verse um, forty-two and forty-two. Yeah, forty-two. Forty-two. Yeah. We read that already. Let's read it again. Uh, yes. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Okay, so there's your ex model of evangelism. Mm-hmm. Three thousand people just been baptized. They now now tell you how they did that. Um, what is their what is their method? There are three key elements right there. So there's doctrine and fellowship. Okay, so there's doctrine. Let's start off with doctrine. Is mm-hmm. doctrine important to winning people to Jesus Christ? Yeah, absolutely. It's a picture you, of God. You can't. <laughs> you can't. Teach anything from the Bible without teaching doctrine. Mm. All right, so the apostles' doctrine, and then what? What's the next thing? Fellowship. Yes, and that kind of goes with what comes after it. Breaking of bread, so eating together. Relationship. Yes, Mm. and then we have our third element. Prayer. Okay, so there's there's basically your uh, your Acts model of evangelism, uh, Bible study, food, and prayer. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's that's their method of success. It is very, very simple. What we often do, and it varies from one church to another, some churches are really good on prayer and terrible on doctrine. Mm-hmm. Our church, because we're Seventh-day Adventists, we're great on doctrine, but we're not so good on food and prayer. Now, we're working on it, but we need to understand, you know, each church, each individual needs to understand their weaknesses because when you understand your weaknesses, like, okay, we've got some areas that we can work on and you move from one congregation to another within a denomination, it's going to vary tremendously and they're all going to have their strengths and their weaknesses. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, where are we up to? We were we in Acts were 5. We were just reading about the three things. That's right. Yeah, Acts 2. Bible study. Food 
and prayer, mm. the axe model of evangelism. Don't ever, ever underestimate the importance of food mm. when it comes to evangelism. So I have a question for you, Lyle, because okay. it's something I have a personal opinion about. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. So, I like this. Um, if we were today, just, just collectively as a church, just started doing this immediately, do you think that Jesus would come sooner? Absolutely. Yeah, because I was like, it's a biblical model. That's right. The Bible says when this gospel when this mm. gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness in all the world under all nations, then. So you've got when and then. Mm. It's a very it's, simple formula. It's not about twisting God's arm, but no. I'm just this is just God going, There's a work to do. Yes. Let's just do it. Yes. And if any I think I talked to you about this last year, but I was Bible working in New Zealand, um, which was awesome. And also, I've never been more convinced that we are not meant to live out of Christianity alone and we're not meant to Bible work alone. My pastor was awesome. It was just we yes. were a real small group and so it was just me doing it. And that's fine. And like, praise Jesus, he didn't give up on me because I did. Like, there were moments I was like, done. It's <laughs> no, hard. Not done, it is but, tough. Yeah, and I just more and more than anything, I was like, man, if we don't have a place to do this with each other. And I know there's life and there's things and I'm not um, disregarding that. But I think sometimes it's easy to let all those things kind of be like, oh, but I don't have time to da-da-da. And I'm like, man, this is like the life, the lifeblood of us as church, as community. And God, did not dis- God did not design human beings to be alone mm. or to work alone. Mm. We, are, we are designed to be social peach, uh, creatures. Social connectedness is the single greatest factor in longevity and good health that there is. Mm. The single greatest factor. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about that, and this is why God has invented things like church. Absolutely. Uh, marriage. You know, all of these kind of things are there because we are social creatures and God understands our needs. Mm. And how much easier is it to go out and do what God is calling you to when you know you have people who have your back? The, and like, are supporting you, this, are there with you. Prayer. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Now, it's tough doing Bible work on your own. I... I Absolutely. It is very, very tough. Okay. Uh, let's get, get back to the book of Acts. Let's go to Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Acts 6 and verse 7. Okay. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multi- multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And this is something that we often don't actually stop and think about. We often talk about the Pharisees. Mm. And for Christianity today, Pharisaism has become a negative word. Yes. The reality was that a Pharisee was somebody who believed in the resurrection. Do you believe in the resurrection? Absolutely. No, oh, then you're a Pharisee. <laughs> true and true. Mm. This, is, this is many of the Pharisees. <laughs> uh, but if I was to call you a Pharisee today in the context of Christianity, mm. then people would have a very different view of that and a very different understanding of what I was actually saying. But the reality is that the Pharisees were the majority at that time. The Sadducees were a minority. And... Uh, that you know Jesus believed in the resurrection the apostle Paul believed in the resurrection and you know proudly stands up and says you know I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees uh, because you know he, he believed very very fervently in the resurrection the Sadducees did not and here we have many of the priests yes and so these would have come from both Pharisees and Sadducees who mm. believe a lot of the priests were actually Sadducees Interesting. interesting. It is. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. A lot of the, a lot of the priests were actually, you know, the, the very high 
ruling class、mm. tended to be much more skeptical. You have to have a very converted heart then to change so drastically, because so much of this early message is the fact that Jesus is Christ and He's resurrected. Yes, like you have to, you know, to truly have your heart converted to be able to shift from something that you have so staunchly not believed in, and to be converted to becoming a follower of somebody that you、mm. were involved in crucifying. Absolutely,、Whew. you dragged them into the,、yeah. you dragged them into this, into the Sanhedrin, and called on Pilate to crucify them because you believed that you were doing the right thing. For your religion、mm. and for your nation, and so you've had this guy crucified, and it's like, well, actually, this guy is God, and I'm going to worship him. That's a massive, massive change of heart. Absolutely. And once again, when you see this taking place, to me, this is just really crystal clear evidence of the reality of the resurrection.、Mm. There's no way you've got to have something. There has to be something that is outlandishly big.、Mm. To get this kind of response, and this goes back to what we were talking about yesterday, though, with the fact that it's the spirit who convicts, yes, convicts of sin and righteousness. Because、yes. you could be told again and again, you could be given all the information, yes, does not change in your heart. But for these people to have gone through this experience and then come out completely different on a different side of it is such a beautiful work of this is the Holy Spirit in people's lives in a real way. I, I think that's so good. It is because I mean, there's that old saying that goes, you know, a man convinced against his、mm. will is of the same opinion still. Fully, <laughs> and you see that in reality. It's one of those things that when you're having a discussion with somebody where you have a different point of view, you've got to be super aware of it because if you ha- you start an argument,、mm-hmm. then you're confirming them in their point of view, and they're never going to move from it.、Mm-hmm. So you, we we have to be super aware of that. But when the Holy Spirit comes into the equation, you these were people who were convinced that the greatest threat to their religion and their nation was Jesus Christ. Yeah. So convinced they nail, nailed him to a cross.、Mm. But under the power of the Holy Spirit, they changed. Yes. The Apostle Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, who was killing Christians, changes and becomes a Christian himself. Changes and goes from a a standpoint of incredible wealth and success to a life of of poverty and heartache and hardship、mm. and eventual martyrdom. That's what the Holy Spirit can do, and we've seen so many examples of it. And that's what the Holy Spirit can do for you in your life today, because God wants to transform your life. Why don't you give your life to Him today? 